He is Neil Oliver. Neil, thanks uh, very much for coming on the mother of all talk shows. Let me uh, start with that point. Uh, Britain is facing enormous challenges. Leave the existential ones of world war aside for the moment. There's the scourge of separatism that seeks to break up uh, a small island into several new states. There's the collapse in the credibility of our institutions and in our government. I mean, I think if you took a microphone out onto the street and asked people how many of them respected the politicians that are in power now, or for that matter, the politicians that are likely to replace them, the number of affirmatives would be vanishingly few. Uh, and there's, I'm not in Britain at the moment, you are, uh, but viewed from where I am, Britain's in serious trouble. Do you think so? I do, uh, George, and, and thanks for making time for me this evening. Uh, you know, you and I have spoken together, uh, you know, privately, and and we have found common ground. Uh, and and some of it is the belief that the the Britain in which we both grew up uh, has gone. Uh, I I have been a lifelong lover of of the British Isles, uh, and, and and I suppose to some extent for me it began with a love of landscape and a love of the history and the and the archaeology. I'm you know if, if I'm anything I'm an archaeologist. And I, uh, you know, I grew up with that. I was imbued with that from from my parents. And I, I, more recently, I've written about uh, the British Isles, and I have written about and all of my love of the British Isles. But in many ways, in recent years, I've been writing a eulogy for a place that I think no longer exists, uh, which is a great sadness to me. Uh, but I think. In in uh, in writing that eulogy and in in speaking about the extent to which I think that that what I have loved and do love uh, has been eroded, I think there's still time, and I think that the the vast majority of the people to whom I speak and who come up to me in the street every day, uh, you know, and, and and say hello and shake hands and and want to make the point that that we're on this that we're all on the same road. Uh, I, I I suppose, although I'm despondent at times, I have great faith that the the people uh, are still absolutely committed to the to the Britain of of my memory, uh, and I think you know people like yourself, people like me, and and millions besides, we hold it close, we hold it dear, and we will you know there's every possibility uh, that we can we can we can resuscitate that which has been and and should go on. Well, not with the current crew. Uh, uh, Rishi Sunak uh, is not the man to save Britain. God knows how the Conservative Party ended up with him. Uh, it's a bit like uh, the Joe Biden situation in the, in the US. You scratch your head and say, how can that be the best that the British political class can produce? Uh, now, I was postulating earlier that he, he may not be that much longer for 10 Downing Street, though heaven knows uh, where they're going to find someone uh, to replace him 
uh, that will make things any better. We do have a parlous political class, don't we? Well, yes. I mean, I, I you, you. It, it doesn't. No one needs to hear me say this about you. You know, you have been, um, you have been in the political uh, arena for, you know, for as long as I can remember. Although I know that you know you're not, you haven't been an, an uh, you know, an active politician for the last you know number of years. But in my in my sense, you are a political man. And and I've said it before, and I'll happily say it again that to me, you are the last Labour politician standing, whether or not you have a seat. Uh, that, that's irrelevant, you know. To me, you are you embody what I have always understood to be uh, the, the Labour Party. Now that that said, you know, you being the last Labour man standing, the rest of the political uh, sphere has been hollowed out. My my eulogy to to Britain is in part because of my awareness that there's nobody left that speaks for the left, for the right, for the for the centre. That that has all gone, and that that space, in ways that I I struggle to understand, far less to articulate, has been uh, has been co opted by a zombie, parasitic ideology that I'm almost loath to use the word ideology because an ideology would suggest that it stands for something. It stands for nothing. It's there to facilitate, I don't know, the asset stripping of this great country. It's there to facilitate the asset stripping of the West. It's there to impoverish people rather than raise them up. It's there to, it's there to, uh, to, uh, uh, to, Play to play to make the case for those who seek to profit from our demise, you know. And uh, uh, Rishi Sunak, you mentioned Grant Sharps as defence uh, secretary. It's an absolute nonsense. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody in Britain believes that Rishi Sunak runs Britain. Nobody believes that. Not even his colleagues. Uh, Sadiq Khan, mayor of London. I think people looking on at him can see what it is that he's about, which is seeking division, uh, you know, sowing racial hatred, sowing uh, uh, division. The people, the people of this country, the people of this country are crying out for something to believe in, or I, I might put that better. The people of this country do believe in something. They believe in what they have always believed in, which is family, which is tradition, which is the culture of these islands. They want to see those protected and celebrated, but instead what they are confronted with are people who stand for nothing. And it does beg the question, who will, who will come forward and stand for something? And I, because I ask myself that question all the time, I, I, I tend to believe that the political uh, environment, the political arena is so corrupted, so toxic, that I don't think the solutions that we need will come from the world of politics. Now, having said that, I don't know from which world the necessary solutions will come. But all that I draw on all of the time is the faith that I have based on the continual contact that I have with the people of this country day by day, week by week and month by month, which reassures me that the people, the people of this country still believe in what they've always believed in. Family, 
that you know education for their children safety for their for their for their for their, uh, for their offspring those things remain constant and i remain i remain i remain uh, optimistic that that is what will carry us through where we are now there is the real danger uh, that people go quietly into the good night and there's a big conspiracy against the emergence of any possibility of another way. The prevailing orthodoxy is a very powerful dictatorship. As Dr. Johnson said long ago, uh, the, the, if people are told that there is no alternative, and if even social media is increasingly closed down as a method by which people can learn of alternative ways forward, uh, it's a rather bleak prospect. I uh, don't think uh, it's not in my nature to be a pessimist, but neither uh, is a foolish optimism doing anyone any service. George, you know, I, I, I don't think I would be, you know, giving anything away by saying that uh, you, you, 10 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever, uh, you and I might not have, uh, you know, uh, seen ourselves as uh, as as sharing the same point of view. You know, I've never considered myself to to be a particularly political animal. You have. I have watched you and been aware of you for you know four decades, and and you and for a lot of the time, you know, disagreed with 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 some of what you were saying. But but, and this is the important point. Through it all, you have adhered to certain fundamental values about family, about faith, about tradition, about the about the rights of men and women, about equality, about the right to a life, the right to an honourable life, and that has distilled down to the point where I have realised and and come to accept that you know where I might have not realised it for the longest time, that we are we are simpatico in a great deal. And I think that 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 right there is the cause for optimism. I think that so much has gone wrong in the in the bigger picture. We've been set we've been fed so much nonsense that nobody believes in that those of us who continue to adhere to the fundamental values have seen through the mist of it, the fog of it, and have found one another. So that you know, two two men like you and I that might previously have felt quite separated by all sorts of ideology, have realised that in the in this fog of war, in this nonsense that's all around us, you and I and many people, most people around us, understand that we are united by a common cause. And I, I'm aware of repeating myself in, in what I've said over the last ten minutes or so of this conversation. But it's it's of fundamental importance, and it is the reason for optimism. Mm. All this nonsense that's out there about transgenderism and about climate crisis and all of the, you know, the and the wildfires in Greece and the wildfires in Maui that and the forever war in Ukraine that we're being fed that's to distract us. So many people have seen through it or are gradually coming to see through it and realizing that what we want is what people all over the world always want, which is peace, which is the peace to get on with our lives, 
which is the knowledge that we can get along with one another, that we are tolerant without being told to be tolerant, that there's a great cause for optimism about that commonality that we have and that you know that, that you and I you know you and I talk off camera you know we talk you know we talk privately and we un, we have come to understand that we are we are simpatico and that we share a lot of the same opinions and that is that is of fundamental importance and is a reason for optimism amen uh the uh it would be a good reason to rejoice that we had left the European Union if Britain was not going to go down the road the European Union has embarked on this very week uh, of a dramatic ratcheting up of the tools of censorship uh, in media, uh, the so-called disinformation game. Uh, I'd be happy that while we don't have to go down that road because we voted to leave the European Union, except our government is even more keen on censorship uh, uh, than the European Union. It may very well be that this conversation we are having now will no longer be possible, at least on any kind of platform that can reach significant numbers of people, and quite soon. That's one of the, if not the, uh, most important challenges, isn't it? Because the reason it's the First Amendment in the United States is because it's the most important one. If you don't have free speech, you don't have any freedoms at all. Everybody knows this. This is one of those fundamentals. When, everyone talk, when anyone talks about freedom of speech, it runs through everyone. It's like, a, it's like, it's like lightning you know, through a lightning conductor. We're all energized by the threat to the to the freedom to talk. And and any thinking person understands without having to be told that the threat of not being able to share ideas, to debate, to argue, uh, to uh, to find common ground, any threat to that fundamental function of the human animal we all fear it and we will all rebel against it i think it's a it's a strange irony that the the internet was you know was conjured into being in the 1960s and it enabled and it has enabled millions billions of people to talk to one another that was a collateral benefit you know that wasn't why the internet was built you know the internet was built so that the US military could maintain connections between its computers. The, the fact that it enabled millions of people around the world to find one another and to share ideas was, a, was a, an unexpected a collateral benefit for all of us. And it's because of that, it's because of that that it's now being censored and moves are being made to shut it down. Because the greatest threat to tyranny you know, to, to authoritarianism, to totalitarianism, is the ability for all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life to come together and have conversations the like of which you and I are having now. And my my optimism about the the power of the human spirit is such that even even if even if this even if censorship means that you and I can't communicate by, by these means by which we're communicating now, we would find another way 
you know, I've been, I've been saying privately and, and publicly for a while now that I think the future is analog. You know, we've all become very dependent on this wonderful ability that we have to communicate via you know digital technology, but people will always find ways to converse and to communicate. And if if the if though if the powers that be, if the if the totalitarians out there go so far as to as to shut us down, and to seek to make these kinds of conversations impossible, then the likes of you and me and millions of others like us will find another way. You know, we will not be silenced. These conversations that have been, you know, conjured into being an inspired, they're going on, they're going on all around the place all of the time. And they will keep going because we, as a, as a species, as, a, as, as the human race, we understand that it's by remaining in contact with one another that we will prevail and that we will find the solutions to the problems that we have. Amen. Well, while people still can, they should follow The Coast Guy on Twitter and watch Neil Oliver's show on GB News. It's been a pleasure to speak to you on screen rather than our behind-the-screen discussions over months and years. Thank you, Neil Oliver, very much. Bless indeed. you, George Galloway.